Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. In the silent depths of the ocean, an impressive monument to human ingenuity and tenacity lay hidden. An underwater military base, a relic from the Cold War era, it was a fortress of steel and glass, a sanctuary amidst the crushing pressure of the sea. Equipped with cutting-edge technology, it was a testament to modern warfare tactics, a covert operation site that was as much a weapon as it was a stronghold. But one day, the continuous stream of communications from the base abruptly ceased, leading an ominous silence in its wake. I was part of a 15-man Navy SEAL team dispatched to investigate the eerie silence. Our mission was to infiltrate the base, ascertain the situation, and report back. As we descended into the inky blackness, the underwater base loomed into view, its lights extinguished, its once bustling activity stilled. Inside, we were met with a chilling sight. The base was overrun by grotesque creatures. Reminiscent of octopuses, yet far more monstrous in appearance, they seemed to be the result of a ghastly experiment gone wrong. 
Strewn across the facility were fifteen lifeless bodies of the personnel, a horrifying testament to the creature's deadly capabilities. Armed with our training and determination, we engaged the creatures. The battle was fierce and relentless. We moved through the corridors of the facility, our weapons lighting up the darkness, our hearts pounding with adrenaline. Two of our comrades fell, but their sacrifice only fueled our resolve. We quickly realized that the creatures were vulnerable to rapid pressure changes. With this knowledge, we manipulated the facility's pressure control systems, pushing the creatures to their breaking point. One by one, they succumbed, their bodies unable to withstand the sudden pressure shifts. In the end, we emerged victorious, battered but unbowed. The silence of the base was broken, replaced by the hum of machinery as we re-established communications. We mourned our fallen brothers, their bravery a stark reminder of the cost of our duty. As we resurfaced, the weight of our task settled in. We were patriots, guardians of our nation's secrets. We knew the truth of what lay beneath the waves, a truth too dreadful for civilian minds. In our hearts we carried the knowledge that if the world knew of the horrors we'd faced, it would spell catastrophe. And so we soldiered on, bearing the burden of our knowledge with silent resolve. I had been hiking in Wakewa State Park since it's literally across the street from my house. I was somewhere on the Orange Trail. I really hadn't seen anyone cause it was chilly. I started hearing laughter from the scrub about 20 yards to my left. It made me a bit nervous, considering there was nobody to make the noise, but I continued on. Probably two more minutes pass, and I hear it again, this time a bit closer. I picked up the pace. Less than a minute later, I heard it for a third time, followed by a substantial movement coming out of the brush behind me. I didn't look, I just ran. I ended up sucking wind, maybe half a mile down the trail. I couldn't keep going. I ended up facing the direction of the creepy noises and taking a knee to rest. As I was turning back around to continue my hike out, I found a packet containing three sharp knives. I shat myself. Everything after that is a blur. I told a ranger at the front as I left. It didn't seem like an urgent matter to them, so I just left it. I have no idea what it was or what it could have been. I just know I didn't want any part of it. I have one other creepy story from when I was a kid. I was walking my dog, a black and white pity retriever mix, outside before putting him to bed around 11 p.m. It was very dark as there is a lot of wooded areas around my apartment complex. I usually walk him about half a mile or so out from the complex to a stop sign and light post at the end of the street, which borders on the woods. Usually there is nothing out of the ordinary, just woods and the normal animals, like squirrels and the occasional deer. Sometimes there's that weird, heavy feeling like something is watching you intently, but I mostly ignore it, and we cut our walk short and head home since a brief scan of the area shows nothing is there. Tonight there was that heavy, watched feeling again, but when I scanned the woods, there was something there. A dog with glowing yellow eyes that looked exactly like my dog, down to the heart-shaped white spot on his chest. 
standing just past the tree line, staring directly at us. It looked like it could be his twin, but there was just something off about it that invoked that feeling of run. My dog definitely saw it too and was whining and staring at it hard. Usually my dog is reactive to other large dogs, but he seemed more scared than anything else and wanted to get away, which is very abnormal behavior for him. After seeing it, I fought that run feeling and walked quickly but casually back into the gated area and home without looking back but listening very hard for anything coming behind or to the sides of us. Instinctively it felt like the safe thing to do. I don't know why. It seemed like it didn't follow, but who knows? I do know that I will be skipping nighttime walks for a while, that's for sure. Any ideas on what that might have been? Google was not much help. We live in North Georgia at the base of the Appalachians, but I didn't grow up here, so I'm not sure of local folklore for the most part. So I'll start off by saying I've always been a believer of paranormal since being a young child. I've always been able to sense or feel things. I've heard things and seen things move when nobody was there, but I've never ever physically seen anything until today. Which I still don't know what to make of it or how I feel, so I come here. I was standing under a carport, about to get in my boyfriend's car when I look at the road and see what I can only describe as an opaquely black figure. No textures or dimension, just an odd-shaped black thing which quickly darted over a fence and disappeared in front of my eyes. Note, when it zipped over the fence, it wasn't all at once. Sort of like the front of the body went first and the tail sort of looking part after. It was very quick, but I never looked away. In the field where what I assumed an animal would be, it was completely empty and nothing was there after it went across the fence. Let me mention it's not a tall privacy fence. Just a barbed-wired, low farmer's fence for keeping in goats or cows, etc. Has anybody else experienced anything remotely similar? It's still on my mind and how something so dark and physically there just disappears in front of my very eyes. Mind you, it was daylight about 2 p.m. around North Texas. I'm a 32-year-old lady from the very northern tip of West Virginia. Most of my life has been lived in Hancock County. When I was little, we camped in tents, walked everywhere, hiked at parks, all that outside goodness. In my teens, we started going to state parks to ride horses. I've been to Thomas and Run, Beaver Creek State Park, Salt Fork, Raccoon Creek, and Vista Park. I think that was the name. We had a friend who was constantly inviting us to ride on people's land she had received permission from. I'm well acquainted with the local wildlife. I've seen all the major players, including koi dogs and bears, and can identify most sounds in the forest. I love watching nature documentaries. I was looking to become a vet, so I studied a lot. On animals, drawing and painting them got me very acquainted with animal anatomy. Was I ever into cryptozoology? Yes. I was a Dino crazy little girl. My one babysitter had Reader's Digest Mysteries of the Unexplained. The thought of a plesiosaur in Scotland or an Apatosaurus in the Congo was just mind-blowing. Later in life, I started looking at it like folklore. 
It was interesting to read the accounts and learn the theories behind what people were seeing, but I believed in them as much as a folklorist believes in dragons and trolls. I didn't have any interest in Bigfoot, and I'd never heard of Dogman. I never had interest in looking, nor did the thoughts ever cross my mind. It seems I didn't need to go looking. They found me. We moved to the farm when? I was about ten. Mom's dream was to have horses, and she was finally able to live it. The farmhouse was haunted, mainly by the former residents of the house. I never felt threatened by them, though. It's a little unnerving to have two men talking and moving the couch you're sitting on. Or should I say it sounded like it? No one was home. No media was on. And yet I was hearing two men talking about how they were going to move the couch and where, and the sound of furniture being dragged right from under me. The land itself had its share of strangeness. Most things were benign, though. We just shrugged and carried on. I honestly hated our woods. Anywhere else I'd freely hike, but even in the yard, sometimes I felt watched. Heck, sometimes I thought something was staring in our windows. Now that I think of it, we did have things slam into our trailer. I'd think it was a horse that had gotten loose, but when I'd go out to investigate, I'd find nothing. I'd chalk it up to a deer. I used my horse's breeds for their names rather than think up names for them. Anyone who knows me knew my horse's names. I was 18 to 19 in this encounter. By this time, we gave up on cows. I hate, hate, hate them, and just had the horses and chickens. Someone knocked on the door at 2 a.m. I'd only been asleep two hours, but years of conditioning had my heart pumping and my mind clearing. Someone knocking that early meant trouble. It usually meant horses or livestock had gotten out. I wasn't disappointed. Our neighbor said the horses were in his yard. My mind wasn't totally awake, so I didn't think to ask which yard they were in. My stepfather came out, asked what was up, and told me they were my horses, so deal with it. Mom was working. That was nothing new. This lot of horses had three expert escape artists. I had the routine down. It was pretty dark out, but I did have some moonlight to help. The security light only went so far. Then, of course, it shut off after so long. When it was cloudy, you literally had to watch that you didn't walk off. Into the ravine, it was so pitch. I was naturally in a foul mood, cursing my horses and wondering if some drunk had gone through the fence. Again, it happened a lot. As I got closer to the brown barn, I realized a horse was flipping out. It was running back and forth, squealing and carrying on. I went in and grabbed the halters and leads. I paused for a moment to see if any other horse or... Horses had replied to the horse I heard squeal. That would give me an idea where the other horse or horses might be. There was no reply. That was odd. I was thinking, crap. They're on the other side of the hill. It was the only reason in my mind they wouldn't be replying. Let's just say... When they followed our cut trails to the other side, it took us an hour to traverse through the woods and lead them back. And even with two guys, on a four-wheeler, and my mom, that was a freaky trek. I felt like I was being watched and followed. Maybe it wasn't paranoia. So the land is set up like this. 
The brown barn was connected to a small pasture, about half an acre long, which then connects to a seven-acre pasture. Pretty much in the center, on the outside edge of the large pasture, was an old white barn that we turned into a run. In, I decided to tackle the horse still in the fence so I could bring her down to the small pasture to keep her from escaping, too. Maybe the others would follow. I had to walk clear to the other side of the pasture to get to the panicking horse. It was my mother's psychoapalooza mare. I tried to catch her and nearly got trampled a few times trying. She was frothing at the mouth and her eye whites were really showing. Was I alarmed? No. As I said, Psycho, I noticed my other six were across the road. They were standing in a tiny little fenced in area under a spotlight. They were standing motionless and not touching a blade of grass. I was wondering how the neighbor managed to herd them into that tiny fenced-in area with that tiny door. Three of those horses were over sixteen hands tall. One was a draft horse cross. The doorway was actually small enough. He touched both sides going through. My thoroughbred mare took me two hours to corral the last time she got out. Much to my frustration, she was an awesome jumper. So a stranger rounding them up and putting them into a tiny yard was mind-blowing. I've had horses since I was nine. I'm thirty-two now. I've had ponies and horses. I've had Appaloosas, Arabians, draft horses, quarter horses, walking horses, saddlebreds, thoroughbreds, mustangs, foals, geldings, mares, and geldings that still thought they were stallions. I've had a lot of horses from all walks of life. I will tell you, they consistently do not like to be crammed into tight spaces, especially not in a group. I had two severely abused horses. I was rehabbing a thoroughbred that actually had PTSD and a racking horse that actually took me. Three years to touch without some sort of a bad reaction. They did not like being in stalls, and all but one were mares. Mares are extremely moody, and two of mine were particularly vicious to those they didn't like. My walker mare only liked three other horses. She should have been kicking the crap out of the others there. Mine also didn't like to be under lights when they escaped. They avoided them like the plague, and not eaten grass that was over ankle deep. That was unheard of. They were silent and dead still. My neighbor came out and told me that they were like that when he found them. He asked me if I needed help, but I said no. My thoroughbred and racking horse mares did not like men. I told him I'd take them out one at a time. I took one halter and lead and threw the rest outside the gate. I put the halter on my gelding and opened the gate to lead them out. They had other plans, though. All six came out as a freaking unit. They were literally chest to butt crammed together. My gelding and my Welsh mare had their chest pushing against me as we walked back to the brown barn. Normally, they did not do this. I wouldn't usually allow such bad behavior. We were on the main road, which I did not like. The speed limit is only 35, but people go 60. So I tried to lead them through the large pasture gate. They wouldn't even go on that side of the road, though. I was a little unnerved by their behavior, 
So I lead them down to the brown barn, and they went in. They were skittish, though, picking at the hay I threw out, walking around restlessly, sticking to the barn like glue and eyeing the upper pasture. I rationalize it by thinking it's the appy flipping out. That's unnerving, and why hadn't she come down yet? She had to have seen us all walk down. I rushed to the gate between the little and big pastures. Out of habit, I didn't want the herd to go back out into the big pasture. I didn't have to worry. They didn't follow me, like they usually did. The gate was wide open, but the appy was still running and squealing back and forth in the same area. I started to go get her. Now the neighbor's security lights didn't really light up my pasture. The road was higher than my pasture, so it was cast in a shadow. I could make out her shape in some detail, though. She took off at a panicked gallop, swerved sideways, and jumped the stream. When she landed, she nearly landed on her face. She caught herself, though, and took off at a dead gallop again. I ducked behind a stump. If she would have hit me, I would have been dead. I went back and chained the gate. I decided to forego looking her over until I got the halters and leads. She was too hot at the moment. I decided to walk on the road instead of through the pasture again. The pasture was uneven, unlit, and full of springs. Sometime during this clouds had taken over the sky, so there was no moonlight to see by. The spot on the road where I was at was paved and pretty well lit, though my neighbor was paranoid as mentioned. I had almost gotten to the white barn when I got this sudden urge to stop and look at a very specific spot in the pasture. I would like to say it was instinct. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style that told me to look, but usually I'd scan the woods first to see what was watching me. That's usually where the watchers are. Instead, I just flicked on my flashlight right on a certain spot. It was extremely close to where the mare was flipping out. I saw a red eye shine. My first thought was, why in the world would a deer be there with all that chaos? I was feeling a sense of extreme dread and didn't know why. Besides, it being where my horse was going nuts told me something else just wasn't right. I then realized where the eyes were relative to the walnut trees and my racing barrels. See, the road is above the pasture and the walnut trees were right at the same elevation as the road. The pasture itself was sloped to deal with the runoff from the road. The barrel it was next to was on the low end of the incline. The barrels were white so I could see a dim lighting from my flashlight. On the one it was next to, this thing was too freaking big to be a deer. I was frozen, standing there watching it. I just had this feeling. It was evil, 
and that I had to keep track of those eyes. It was watching me. It slowly blinked a few times. It also looked over into the woods above the pasture. I know you ask your guests if they ever feel there are other ones out there. Well, let me tell you it. Crossed my mind. With a sinking stomach, I flashed my flashlight over the woods to see if I would catch eyeshine. I didn't see any, though. So uh, I went right back to the eyes. They were still there. I flicked back and forth, making sure nothing was sneaking up on me. I don't know how long I stood there watching, frozen. Someone could have come around the bend and hit me with their car. I was so focused. Finally, it started to move off. It glanced at me, sideways. A few times, only one eye. I think it went into the copse of trees, around the creek. I heard nothing. That wasn't surprising, though. The horses were still restless and making noises. I stood there a long time after, looking for eyeshine. I was wondering if it could have been a bear. I didn't think so, though. The eyes were consistent in height until it disappeared. Bears are clumsy on their back legs. On this uneven, inclined ground, I have no doubt a bear would have dropped to the ground to go on all fours. Even the rear-up-and-drop-down behavior bears do when they're trying. To see something wouldn't work. We had one cross our pasture before. He made a lot of noise going through the woods. The horses settled down quicker with the bear. I was almost to my neighbors at this point. I considered leaving the couple hundred dollars a pack at his house. Halters and leads aren't cheap. I had no doubt. If I left them there, they'd be gone in the morning. My mother would be pissed, so I darted over, grabbed them, and ran like a... But out of hell, I know, I know. I should have left the tech. I also know you're not supposed to run, but I couldn't even conceive what I had just seen. I got into the barn, threw the tack down, and hung with the horses. I wasn't going to go back up that pitch-black driveway on foot. I figured with the horses I'd have a warning, and the barn had plenty of sharp things. I didn't go back up until dawn. I was frozen stiff by that time. I've had years to think this over. It unnerves the crap out of me. How long long was that thing there? Was that what was keeping the Appamere from coming down? Was it right there in the shadows? Well, I was trying to catch her, or was it in the unlit barn? I walked through to get to the road. Was it the reason the Appy swerved and nearly fell? How did my horses get out? I never did find how they got out. Did they panic and jump the fence? I did check the fence line away from the woods. I did look for tracks around the barrel. Sadly, the ground was hard from frost that morning. But I will say the happy mare was running for a good while. The ground was severely torn up and turned into a muddy mess. It was high noon when I went down there to check, and the ground had melted. I'll bet it was her that woke the neighbor up. It took them about a week to fully settle. I don't know if whatever it was was still in the area, or if they were that traumatized. It wasn't too long after that my mother filed for divorce. My ex-stepfather got the farm, and I moved in with her in the city. Even with all of the weird crap going on there, there were numb bipedal things going on, too. I miss it terribly. 
Maybe it's more accurate to say I've missed the farm life rather than the actual place. I'd love to get back onto a farm again, but I'd probably hesitate to move back there. I never told anyone about the eyeshine event. I didn't see the actual creature, and really, how do you convey that unnatural, horror-inducing feeling? You saw eyeshine. Whoop-dee-doo. My mother would have given me the benefit of the doubt, but my mother often told family members things. They made my life enough of a living hell. I didn't want to give them more Emma. As a park ranger, Adam had seen his fair share of strange things. But nothing had prepared him for what he encountered one night while patrolling the forest. It started with a strange noise, like a cross between a growl and a scream. Adam's first thought was that it was a bear or a mountain lion, but the sound was unlike anything he had ever heard. He cautiously made his way towards the source of the noise, flashlight in hand. The deeper he went into the woods, the more uneasy he became. It was as if something was watching him, something that shouldn't be there. Suddenly, he heard the noise again, louder this time, and closer. Adam shone his flashlight ahead and froze. Standing in front of him was a creature unlike anything he had ever seen. It was tall, with fur as black as the night, and eyes that seemed to glow with another worldly light. Its jaws were open, revealing rows of sharp teeth. Adam tried to back away slowly, but the creature stepped forward, blocking his path. He raised his flashlight as a weapon, but it seemed useless against this creature. The creature lunged at him, and Adam ran as fast as he could. He could hear the creature's footsteps behind him, and he knew he was in grave danger. But just when he thought he was done for, he burst through the trees and into a clearing. The creature stopped at the edge of the clearing, snarling and pacing back and forth. Adam could see the fear in its eyes, and he realized that it was just as scared of him as he was of it. After a few tense moments, the creature turned and disappeared into the woods. Adam collapsed onto the ground, shaking with adrenaline and relief. He never spoke of the creature to anyone, afraid that they would think he was crazy. But every time he patrolled the woods, he couldn't shake the feeling that something was watching him from the shadows. I had been a park ranger for over two decades, patrolling the vast wilderness of the National Park. I had seen my fair share of strange things in the woods, but nothing could have prepared me for what was about to happen. It all started a few weeks ago, on a particularly dark and stormy night. I was out on my regular patrol, checking on the various campsites and trails, when I heard something in the distance. At first it sounded like nothing more than the wind whistling through the trees. But as I got closer I realized that it was something else entirely. The sound was like a whisper, barely audible at first, but growing, louder as I approached. I strained to hear what was being said, but it was just gibberish, a jumble of words that made no sense. Still, the hair on the back of my neck stood on end, and I quickened my pace, eager to get out of the darkness and back into the light. That should have been the end of it, a harmless and fleeting encounter with the unknown, but it wasn't. In the days that followed, I began to experience more and more strange phenomena. I saw things moving in the corner of my eye, 
heard footsteps where there was no one to be seen, and even caught glimpses of a shadowy figure darting through the trees. At first, I tried to rationalize it all away, blaming it on stress or fatigue, but as the incidents became more frequent and more terrifying, I began to suspect that something else was at play, something beyond my understanding or control. Then, one night it happened. I was out on patrol, walking through a particularly dense and overgrown section of the park when I felt a sudden intense pain in my side. I doubled over, gasping for breath, and realized that something had attacked me. But, but what? I looked around wildly, but there was nothing there, nothing but the trees and the darkness. I stumbled forward, trying to get away, but my legs gave out, and I fell to the ground. Everything went black. When I woke up, I was alone in the woods, with no memory of what had happened. My side was throbbing with pain, but there was no sign of any wound or injury. For a moment, I wondered if it had all been some sort of nightmare, a hallucination brought on by stress and exhaustion. But then I saw the footprints deep and jagged in the dirt. They were like no animal tracks I had ever seen before, too big and too strange to belong to any creature of this world. And that's when I knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that I was being hunted by something beyond my understanding. I tried to leave the park, to get as far away from that place as possible, but it was no use. The creature was always there, lurking in the shadows, waiting for its chance to strike. I knew that my time was running out, that I was living on borrowed time. And then, one day it happened. The creature attacked me again this time with a ferocity and intensity that I had never seen before. I fought back with all my strength, but it was no use. In the end, I was overwhelmed, and I fell to the ground, my body battered and broken. This happened to me when I was ten or eleven. I'm just about to turn twenty now, but I'll never forget what happened that day. I was at my grandparents' house, who were watching me for the day. They live out in a mixture of farmland and woods in rural Wisconsin. Their yard is mostly surrounded by farmland, but to the right side of the yard is a couple acres of woods and a swamp. It was a really hot, muggy morning in July. I was standing out on the deck, shooting at some cans with my BB gun. All of a sudden, I got the sense something was wrong. It felt like I was being watched. I started scanning the tree line and down at the edge of the trees. About sixty yards away, by the swamp woods, was this thing, standing, that I can only describe as a dogman. It was about seven feet tall, covered with shaggy gray hair, had the classic dogman face, long snout, pointed ears on top of head, yellow eyes, and it was very muscular. It was standing on two legs, but it appeared to be sort of leaning up against a tree. We locked eyes, and while it was probably only ten seconds, it felt like hours. It sounds silly, but I felt the thing had a sinister grin on its face. It was extremely intimidating. I know that had that thing wanted to kill me. It easily could have done that. I could relive this encounter. At my age now, with a shotgun instead of a bib gun, and I'd still be just as terrified as I was then. It definitely had a, a very negative and sinister vibe to it. 
After locking eyes with the thing, it just bolted off on two legs through some of the swamp and emerged farther down the tree line and ran off into the forest. At first, I thought it might have been one of my older cousins playing a joke on me who lived nearby, but then I realized there was no way they could be wearing a suit, be seven feet tall and clear the swamp as fast as that thing did. I wasn't going to tell Grandma and Grandpa I saw a werewolf down by the swamp. They'd never believe me. So I just kept my mouth shut and tried to carry on with my day there. Well, later that afternoon, I was talking to my aunt, and she brought up the fact that she had heard strange noises the night before. When I asked what they sounded like, she said it was a lot of snarling and growling, and it kind of sounded like an animal being attacked. I was stationed in the panhandle near Pensacola. I was in charge of a team of about ten guys taking part in an exercise. We were playing the bad guys for the exercise, and on that night our job was just maneuvering. Mostly walking and driving around pretend villages. Anyways, grabbed our gear for the night and went out to an informal staging area to wait around for us to get called into the village. Being a group of young military guys with nothing to do, we started messing around. Driving in circles and up and down the nearby dirt trails in our trucks, talking crap on the radios, looking around with our night vision goggles, etc. Because why not? We spot and sport utility vehicles parked down one trail, which was a bit odd since we were on the military range at the time, but not crazy since we weren't near any of the sensitive or dangerous parts. I drive up next to the sport utility vehicle slowly and the guy sitting shotgun with night vision goggles. Says there's some weird person sitting in it. He hands me the night vision goggles and I look over and holy hell that person was terrifying. They were in the back on the driver's side. Super tight skin, crazy sunken eyes, thin lanky hair. At first just staring straight ahead but they suddenly turned to look at us and I booked it out of there. I practically threw the night vision goggles at the guy next to me. I don't know why, but I felt one of the deepest feelings of fear I'd ever had. Literally, the only times that were worse were times where I genuinely thought I was about to die. We drive back to where the other guys were and tell them about it. Uh, of course, they think we're messing with them, but eventually we convince them to follow us and check it out. So now there's a convoy of three trucks holding ten guys. We roll past to let truck two get next to the sport utility vehicle when only a few seconds go by and the radio goes wild with them yelling, Go, go! We all ass out of there and all agree to find a new informal staging point to park at. The rest of the night we F with each other about the descent woman watching us or waiting for one of us to walk off alone and just generally joking around. But I did notice that no one wanted to go piss by themselves. Anytime someone had to go, suddenly a few other guys chimed in too. The rational explanation is that it was some drifter in the sport utility vehicle crashing for the night. Probably at least a little high tired and confused as F about the trucks creeping up on them then driving off real fast. I am John an African-American park ranger stationed in the remote mountains of the Appalachian Trail. My job was to patrol the vast wilderness and make sure that everyone who entered it, hiker, camper, 
or otherwise, was safe and secure. It was a warm summer day, and I was on my usual rounds when I stumbled upon something that would change my life forever. I was following a trail of broken branches and torn shrubs when I heard a loud roar in the distance. I thought it was a bear at first, but when I reached the source of the noise, I was faced with something far more terrifying. It was a Bigfoot, a massive bipedal creature covered in fur standing at least ten feet tall. I heard stories of these creatures before, but I never believed they were real. But there it was, right in front of me, and it was angry. I was frozen in fear, but I managed to draw my sidearm and take a shot at the creature. It didn't even flinch, and I soon realized that bullets were not going to be enough to stop it. Bigfoot charged at me, and I ran in as fast as I could. I stumbled upon a cave and crawled inside, hoping that the Bigfoot wouldn't be able to fit through the entrance. But to my horror, it was able to squeeze inside, and I was trapped. The Bigfoot began to tear through the cave, looking for me, and I was running out of options. That's when I remembered the stories that my grandfather used to tell me about the Native American spirits that lived in these woods. I started to pray to them, begging for their help, and that's when I heard a voice. It was soft at first, but it grew louder and more insistent, until it was a roar. The Bigfoot was thrown back from the cave entrance, and I was able to escape. I never saw the creature again, but I knew that it was still out there waiting for its next victim. I soon found out that there were other people in these woods, and that they were searching for something. They were a secret service investigating a series of strange and paranormal occurrences. They thought that I knew something, and they started to follow me, always watching me, always waiting. For me to slip up. I was in over my head, and uh, I didn't know who to trust. But I knew one thing for sure. I'm quitting my job. The pay is not worth the trouble of fighting various cryptids and woods.